0: Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hi, thanks for joining today. Today we have on a really fascinating guest. Her name is Charlie Skvasik, and she's 42 years old. She's from Ohio, and she has type 2 diabetes. She's had diabetes for a number of years, and she's been treating it with very, very high levels of insulin. And at the recommendation of a doctor who introduced her to the work of Dr. Jason Fung, she has adopted an intermittent fasting lifestyle and has also greatly reduced her carb intake. And as a result of making these lifestyle changes, she is nearly off of her insulin. She was taking a long acting and a short acting insulin. Now she's only taking a long acting insulin and is almost off of that completely. In the process, she's had a number of non-scale victories and she's also lost 50 pounds along the way. She's got a really great and inspiring story and I think you're going to enjoy listening to her tell it. Hi, Charlie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Uh, before we get started, do you want to just give me a
1: little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Charlie. I'm born and raised in Ohio my whole life. I just turned 42. I'm a mom of two crazy boys. that keep me on my toes all the time. I'm also a small business owner, so that also keeps me on my toes all the time. Um, I have a wonderful husband who just, thank goodness, took the kids out so we can have a little quiet time. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's
0: pretty much me. nice. Nice. So maybe we can start at the beginning with uh, your diabetes history. So you've had diabetes for quite some time. Is that right?
1: Yes. I was diagnosed back like 2003, 2004. um, But at the time I didn't have insurance. So it was untreated. I didn't do anything until many years later. (laughs) Go ahead. How did you know that you had diabetes Um, ironically, I was diagnosed before my mother, before my grandparents, before my great grandfather. It was this like really weird thing. And I honestly don't even remember how it played out other than I was at like my family practitioner's office and I I guess I must've had symptoms at the time. And he's like, well, let's just test your A1C. And I honestly don't even remember what my A1C was, but the second he looked at it, he's like, oh yeah, he's like, you're type two diabetic. And At the time, I was living a pretty unhealthy lifestyle. Like Mountain Dew was like my favorite thing to drink. Looking back, I'm mortified that I'm even saying that. But, you know, I was young 22, 23, um, and he diagnosed me. And I mean, I was kind of shell shocked. And at the same time, I didn't have insurance. So it was kind of a whirlwind and a a lot of neglect, I guess, really, if I'm being honest, um, with how I treated myself. And yeah, and I didn't really do anything about my diabetes until after my husband and I were married in 2005 and he got insurance. Okay. So
0: when you finally got some insurance and you were starting to treat it, how how did they treat it?
1: Um, at that time I was put on metformin and I honestly don't even remember doses. Um, but I was put on metformin and it ravaged my stomach. Like it was, it was awful. And I just date on it because like, I didn't really know that I had like, you know, they always say like, I wish I knew then what I know now, you know, I didn't really know. Um, but I did stay on that for quite some time. And I feel like for a certain amount of time, I even came off of it and I was untreated again because I, I didn't know what the options were. And I'm not, I hate to like kind of pass blame because I guess I really could have done research and I could have looked into it then, but like no one in my family had been diagnosed. My doctor wasn't, I guess, maybe as pushy as I needed at that time. So I didn't think it was like as big a deal as it clearly was. <laughs> gotcha.
0: So you were on metformin for a short period of time, then you got off it. Were you actively testing your blood sugar or you just said, I no. think I, I have diabetes? And that's, you know. Yeah.
1: I mean, he just said, your A1C says that you have diabetes. And I was like, okay. And honestly, at the time, I didn't even really know what that meant. Like it was like, okay, I have this thing. And and now I have to live with it. And I, and I honestly, and that was one of the things I was talking to another fellow diabetic about. It's like, you almost feel like you're gonna sit in this doctor's office for 15 minutes. We're gonna rock your world and send you on your way. And you have to kind of like sink or swim. I mean, really is what you have to do. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No, I know. Even for type one, it's like the same thing. You know, they, they get you in there and they say, all right, here's your insulin. Here's some needles, like get out of here. And it's just like, uh, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. And it's, it's a big diagnosis and you know, um, you've had it for a long time. I've had it for a long time. It takes years and years to figure out even what it is, You're let alone how to manage it. So right. I I totally understand your story. So other people in your family also have type 2? Are there some type 1s mix in there? Oh, you no, know, they're
1: all type 2. Yeah, so after I was diagnosed, my mother, my grandmother, and my grandfather, all on my mom's side, were diagnosed. And in the meantime, my great-grandfather on my mother's side was diagnosed as well. So clearly, we have some strong genes in there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's rough. Well, at least you have other people to go through it with, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. And now you're an example, I'm sure, to all of them. I help as
1: much as I can.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you got off the metformin; it was hurting your stomach. I've heard that from other people. I It sounds like that's a pretty common side effect of of metformin. Which I
1: know. I understand now that that just means your body's telling you you're eating too many carbs. Like you don't even have to go super low carb. But if you cut back your carbs when you're on metformin, apparently that like mitigates itself. So. I haven't walked that path, but I've heard that that's typically what's happening. And I had no idea. I would have just cut some carbs and stayed on the medicine and called it a day. But
0: Yeah. So you got off the metformin, then you were just untreated for a while. And then were you put on
1: insulin later? Is that what happened? Yeah. So I was. So I eventually, like, once I kind of, I mean, I hate to use the word, but grew up a little and realized, you know, that there are important things in life, like taking care of myself, um, I did wind up going back on the metformin. Glucophage, I think, was the type that I was taking. Um, and my husband and I got married. We started to try to have babies. And unfortunately, like I just kept losing babies. I couldn't carry babies. And apparently it was because my A1C was still too high. Now, why my doctor at the time wasn't telling me like, whoa, your A1C is too high. Like get this in check. I honestly have no idea. Um, but I remember sitting with a high risk doctor and he said, you know, we're going to start you on insulin. If you want to have babies like that's, I think the best path for you And I just sat in the office like sobbing. And I remember like having this huge phobia of like needles and the vial and the stereotype and like, oh my gosh, and I can't do this. And so the woman who was, she was some kind of like medical concierge who was trying to figure out like what my insurance would cover. I like begged her to give me the pen needles instead. And I don't know why in my head, like that was going to change everything. But like, that was like my, I think it was like, I can control this part of the situation. So like, I'm going to do that. And we sat in her office for over an hour for her until she found two different pens that needed long acting and fast acting um, insulin. And she made it happen. And I was forever grateful, you know, at the time, I mean, now I'm so used to doing it. I could probably do whatever kind of needle and it wouldn't matter, but so they put me on a um, and Humalog. So I was on love a mirror, like at nighttime and then Humalog with my meals. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, did you, yeah. 2010. 2000, yeah.
0: Okay. So did you, do you have any pancreatic function left at this point? Or are you pretty much.
1: So fast know? forward and two, two years ago. And I do, because I was really concerned that I might have been type one as opposed to type two, because looking back, I had symptoms as early as like 11, 12, 13, that my doctor like never caught. I mean, my senior year of high school, I dropped like 50 or 60 pounds. And my doctor, like my pediatrician was like, you have a boyfriend, you're a senior, you have a job, like, you know, you're just not eating. But I really think like, you know, knowing what I know now, that's really, I think what was happening is my body was just slowly acclimating to type two.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you remember, like, you know, I know this was a long time ago, but do you remember approximately where your weight range was back in 2003, 2005 area? In,
1: so back then, I was, I mean, I had to be in the low 200s. I was wearing like an 1820 okay. size clothing. So, and how yeah. tall are you? Uh, only 5'7". Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm just trying to like put all the pieces together when you wow. were, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So my senior, year, my senior year of high school, I was wearing, I could wear like a 22, 24 yeah. and I dropped like some of that weight and I was down to like 18, 20 ish, depending on the day. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: So you went on the Humalog and the Levemir, and you, you were on like a, a pretty high dose if I understand correctly. Right. Yeah.
1: So, um, you know, obviously they start you off slow and you know, they say, you know, one unit of insulin, like the Humalog, one unit of Humalog per 15 carbs, And like, that wasn't working. And I don't even remember how much Levomir I was on, but I finally, like the sweet spot for me was 45 units of Levomir at bedtime, 15 units of Levomir in the morning. So that's 60 units of Levomir. Then I was, my carb ratio was one to one. So for every carb I put in my mouth, I had to do a unit of insulin. And the nutritionist that they sent me to told me 45 units, 45 carbs with every meal So I was taking, I mean, anywhere from 35 to sometimes 50 or 55 carbs per units of Humalog per meal, because that's how many carbs I was eating, because I thought I was following along. And every doctor I was, I ever saw was like, you are a model patient. You are doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Like you're fantastic. My A1C, the minute they put me on insulin until now, my A1C has always been in the fives. Like- Always been in the five. So I thought, yes, I'm doing this thing the right way. And I, you know, little did I know.
0: <laughs> you must have been really very insulin resistant to have those kind of yeah. ratios.
1: Yeah. Well, wow. so my current doctor, maybe a year or so ago, I asked him to run an insulin resistant test. And I'm gonna apologize. I am not medical at all, so I'm not gonna give names of tests and things. So that's not my wheelhouse. Um, but there is an insulin resistance blood test that you can take, and I did it through university hospitals. The highest value that University Hospitals quantifies is 60. My number was a 69. Wow. Insane. It, it like mind-blowingly insane. And another test this doctor that I absolutely love and adore ran was a test to see how much insulin my body is storing. Typically, you should have... I'm going to say units, but I don't even know like what the actual number. The number is five, but I don't know what the measurement is. But you should have, let's say, five units of insulin in your body stored up in case your body needs it for a later date. I was at 205. So my body was just storing all this insulin and all this fat, and I just continued to get more and more insulin resistant. And, again, I wish I knew then (laughs) what I know now. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you have any?
0: I mean, you must have some theories about exactly what happened then, because obviously you're, you've are you made some major changes to
1: your life. Yeah, I, I mean, I really think it was this attitude of, and I hear this so much from people who are not in this circle and don't understand. And it's not said from it, it's not said from a place of not caring. It just is. I think like a stereotype that we get is like, well, you can eat anything you want, just give yourself insulin. So, and I really, I mean, if my A1C was a 5.3, why couldn't I have the ice cream and, and eat the insulin or take the insulin, you know? Like, so I really do think that I unknowingly was just pumping my body full of carbs and countering that with the insulin. And I mean, I, I really think for that decade that I had that regime, I was just making myself sicker and sicker.
0: Yeah. It sounds like it. Did you, with that much insulin, did you get a lot of low blood sugars?
1: No. Oh, really? Oh, wow. No. No, no. Maybe I had this like weird three thirty thing where my body was like, maybe you should have a snack. So like around three thirty, I would drop to like you know in the seventies. But nothing. I mean, that was the one thing my new doctor asked too. He's like, you know, are you bottoming out a lot? And I'm like, not really. Like occasionally at three thirty for whatever reason that is. But yeah, I I don't know. It, it's crazy.
0: So you were able to keep your blood sugar basically pretty steady on that much.
1: That's incredible you were able to do that again like I said I I was told I was a model patient because I just trying to do the things I thought were (laughs) like they told me to do it I did it because I mean I understood that my life was on the line right and I was a new mom and you know like a small business owner and you know I I had to be well in order to do these things and
0: little did I know You must be a very good carb counter. That's all I can say about you. I'm
1: not nearly as accurate as you are with my insulin. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like a lot of it became really intuitive, too. Like, I remember in, I went to art school, and in art school, I injured myself with an x knife, and I called my mom, like, Ma, you got to take me to the hospital. you got to take me to the hospital. And she took me to the ER, and the doctor was like, well, when's the last time you checked your sugar? And I was like, I I haven't in, like, forever. And he's like, you know, gave me the, read me the riot act. And I said, well, I bet you that my sugar is 123 right now. And he's like, come on. It was 125. Like, so I don't know, like, I don't know if it like becoming a diabetic, like you're more in tune with your body or like how that works, or maybe that's just something that I'm super good at. But yeah, I definitely, I feel like so much of it for me became intuitive.
0: Yeah, that's that's really incredible that you've been you were able to maintain that level of control with your insulin. I mean, that's that's very hard to do. So, kudos to you for doing that. Oh, thanks. So, at what point did you find this? You, you found a new doctor that has really transformed your life, right? So, you did the insulin thing for, you know, you were on your one to one one unit of yeah. insulin to one carb, gram of carb for what was it ten years? You said yeah, thereabouts. And then you found it. You found a, you found a, a new doctor. Yeah, is that what happened? Yeah. So yeah, can you tell me that story?
1: Yeah, so I at that point, so we're talking two years ago. I was the heaviest I'd ever been in my life, even heavier than I was when I was pregnant. I was two hundred and thirty six pounds, which is so hard to say, but it, that's where I was at. And I, I don't know, like I just started to feel like anxious about everything, and like I just like my life was taking this turn, and I, I like didn't like where I was going not like in my, like my family life was great, but like my internal life, like something just felt off. And my husband and I went on vacation and we came just the two of us. And we came back and I felt so anxious when we came back that I basically worked myself up into a seven day panic attack. And then on the seventh day, I told my husband, I'm like, I think I need to go to the hospital. Like, I feel like something is wrong with me. So they got me to the hospital and the first thing they do is take your blood pressure. And my blood pressure was 214 over 99. And I looked at the woman and I, the nurse, and I'm like, should I be like scared about this? Cause I felt like my heart was just going to pound out of my chest. And she goes, Oh, don't worry, honey. I haven't seen someone stroke out till they hit over 220. And I, my whole life I was just like, this is not happening. Like this cannot be real life. I'm too young. I mean, I was 40 years old. I I wasn't, I was about to turn 40. I was like, this is not like, this is not the life that I want to live. Like this can't be happening. So I went to my, my doc, she's checking with your doctor, you know, and after like an hour, my, my blood pressure came down. I don't know what it was, but it came down. She said, check in with your doctor. So this is my old doctor. I went to my old doctor. He prescribed me some blood pressure medication. Um, Long story short, I wound up having horrible adverse reactions to that medicine, but I didn't realize it until like six months in, we tried another medication. I had horrible reactions to that. We tried another medication. I had horrible reactions to that. And I was like, this, something's got to stop. Like something has to stop. So I went on Facebook and I said, does anyone know a holistic medical doctor? Because the fact that they were an MD was important to me, but I wanted to see things from a different view like, does anyone know of a holistic medical doctor in our area that is taking new patients? Because I just feel like something has to change. So a friend of a friend of a friend, you know, reached out and they're like, oh, you know, he cured my friend of Crohn's and this, uh, this guy cured another, you know, someone else's mom of something else. And I was like, you know, and literally they were the only ones to respond. So I was like, what do I, what have I got to lose? You know, I made an appointment with him. Um, you know, my husband was kind of freaking cause he doesn't take insurance and it's, it wasn't cheap, but I was like, it's cheaper than all the medication that they keep putting me on. So I sat in his office, he introduced himself. Hi, you know, I'm Dr. Dan Nitis. I'm like, hi, Dr. Dan, why are you here? And I explained everything I just said to you. And he looked at me and he said, well, he's like, I understand that a lot of doctors have been trying to treat your symptoms. He's like, but let's find out why you are feeling this way. And I lost it in his office. I was like, no one has ever asked me why I'm feeling this way. Like, and it just was a total game changer. I mean, we ran the gamut of tests. We did food sensitivity tests. We did gut health tests. We did so much blood work, your head would spin. And, and my life has changed from that point. (laughs) Like everything about it.
0: So, yeah, why don't you walk me through, like, what he found and then what changes you were able to make. And So,
1: I mean, the gut health test, I think, is super important. At that point in my life, like, everyone's like, well, don't drink the milk. There's a lot of sugar in the milk. And, like, don't do dairy because it's inflammatory, you know, all these things. So I had switched o- everything to almond milk. Like, right, my family was doing everything almond. Turns out I'm, like, borderline allergic to almonds. I'm like, what? Like, you know, like, you're trying to do these things and they're everything is – cookie cutter and nothing is like specific to you. So that kind of like blew my mind. And there were like other things that I had like food sensitivities to like bananas, which I probably shouldn't have been eating anyway. Um, and like some berries and things like that. So it's like, okay, well, you know, I'll eliminate those from my diet. And in the meantime, I had gone low sodium because the cardiologist had said, well, you have high blood pressure, go low sodium, which I come to find out was not high blood pressure. It was completely anxiety for, and I don't know what set me off when we came home, but totally anxiety because I'm off blood pressure medication now. Um, so what else? So on the gut health, which that was a lot of like medical terms that I honestly can't tell you what he did or did not say. I had a whole folder full of stuff. Um, but definitely helped him cater my medical treatment to me. Um, and the blood work and stuff that he saw was off wasn't really anything crazy. My cholesterol was off, which is indicative as well of diabetes type two anyway. Um, but he wound up running a secondary test. And I told him, I said, my, my other doctor had been trying to put me on a statin for the last five or six years. I'm like, something in my gut is telling me no. And he's like, well, well, there's a secondary cholesterol test we can run. We'll do that. So this is the way he explained it to me because it got not medical. He said, there's two different kinds of bad cholesterol. There's the flat, sticky ones. Those cause problems. Those will give you blood clots and, you know, cause things to clog up. He goes, and there's big, fluffy ones that just bounce around in there and are completely benign and have, you know, nothing to do with anything. He goes, yours are all the big, fluffy ones. He goes, you absolutely do not need to stand. You're perfectly fine. I was like, oh, thank God for that. You know, like silver lining and all the things. Um, But also at that time, like that's when I came off one of the blood pressure medications because I felt healthier. I felt safer. I felt taken care of. I felt like, okay, this body that I was given is not broken. Like he found, he was the one that told me my pancreas still works. And so I was like, okay, like we're going to do this. And he put me on a bunch of um, supplements catered specifically to me, which I'm not on all of them anymore. But in the time when I was trying to like get my body back to like homeostasis, um, I was taking those and, after probably six or seven months, maybe, maybe eight or eight months, I went into him and I said, look, I'm doing all the things. I feel fantastic. Why am I not losing weight? And he looked at me and said, oh, well, that's because you're on insulin. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I was like, my other doctor had been telling me for years that I needed to get to the gym, literally said, oh, my wife signed up for the gym. You should sign up for the gym but I'm pumping my body full of something that's not allowing me to do that. Like, how does that even make any sense? And that's when he said, well, he's like, I'm going to suggest this and we'll see what happens. He goes, but you should get this book. And he pulled it off of his desk and it was Dr. Jason Fong's complete guide to fasting. And I was like, Oh man, this guy wants me to not eat. Like, <laughs> I was like, is that where we're headed? Cause I've tried that kind of diet before too. I don't know. Um, but when I came home, I was like, I've always been a model patient. I got to at least look into it, right? And I jumped into that book. And the way that Dr. Fung describes things, so the way your doctor should, really, I was like, oh my gosh, why did I not know this 15, 20 years ago? And I really like dove in all the way. I was completely all in within probably the first week of reading that book. And I, at that point, slowly started to make changes in my life because I knew, like, that's what I had to do in order to reduce the insulin, which would then let me lose weight, which would then let me better my life in general, really, is where I was at. So is that, is that the point where you
0: actually started reducing your insulin or had you been yeah. reducing it before? Okay. No. Yeah. So you were still, like, maintaining on that very high yeah. level of insulin all the way up until the point where you found Dr. Fung's book? Yep. Absolutely.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. And so tell me, how did you start fasting? Like, cause I know it's different people have
1: different experiences
0: when they, when they start out.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I am very much a person that goes at something in order to make it sustainable. Like I knew that if I was just like, I'm just going to start fasting and eating every 24 hours, that was going to fizzle out for me so fast. And honestly, I was scared because I was on so much insulin that I mean, what if I did miss a meal? I was told by the nutritionist 45 carbs or or something bad's going to happen, you know, like what, what's going to happen. So again, my amazing doctor was like, when you start doing it, he goes, I want an email every other day with your sugars. He goes, if I see that things need to be adjusted, he's like, we will absolutely adjust them. Um, and I also knew that like, if my sugars went low, I could rectify that pretty easy. Right. I mean, we all over rectify that. So I was <laughs> like often, right? Like So that was easy, but I went at it in a way that was sustainable. So the first thing I did was like, I cut out snacks after dinner, like, which for a mom is kind of tricky because like when the house is quiet, like, it's just so nice to have like a cookie or some cheese or like something like in a quiet house. Right. So I cut out the snacks and then for like a week or two. And I was like, okay, like I can do this. Right. Then I replaced breakfast with a protein shake. In order to kind of like teach my body like you're just gonna have less at this time of day and like see how it goes. And frankly, I didn't really like the protein shakes. So I was like, what if I just try to like cut this out? Cause I kinda of really don't like these. And so that was like my initial, like I would eat at noon and then we would eat dinner around like six, six thirty. And I wouldn't eat after that. And I maintained that like I mean, that was probably there within the first, I wanna say, month of reading that book. Um, and then I was like, well, like, maybe I should try one meal a day and like, see what happens. And that was probably, so I've been fasting now for all, like, this is just about a year for me. I didn't take my first date. Cause I didn't think this was going to stick. I should have like wrote down the date. Um, so it's been just about a year. So maybe like six months in or so I was like, well, let me try like one meal a day and see, see what happens. And I don't know if this is an excuse, but this is really how I feel. I work alone with children and no other adult. Like I'm basically a nanny. So I was terrified that if something happened to me, something would happen to the kids. Like that was like my, as much as my number one goal was to heal, my number one goal was to make sure that my kids were safe. You know, like people entrusted me with their children. And I needed to do that. So I, like I said, I did baby steps in a way that was going to be sustainable for me to see where my body was at because I didn't want to do anything, you know, rash. Um, So after about six months or so, I tried one meal a day and I'm like, oh, my sugars are okay. Like I can totally do this, you know? And then just recently my family and I got the stomach flu of all things right before my 42nd birthday. And I was like, you know what? I'm like, the only way I'm not going to be like, you know, having stomach flu problems is if I don't eat, right? So I was like, why don't I ring in 42 with a 42-hour fast and see what happens? So I actually took it to 52 hours. And the only reason I ate is because my husband brought me home a keto birthday cake, my first ever keto birthday cake. Um, God, like, love him. Um, But I went 52 hours, like, perfectly fine. So now, since that was February, so since then, I've been doing a couple extended fasts. I haven't done too, too many, because again, I'm nervous, but as that progression happened, especially in the first like three to four months, I noticed that my body needed less and less insulin. And at that time I wasn't even low carb. Like I was eating my normal food in those meal window in that meal window, um, But yeah, like, I mean, I would email my doctor and he's like, okay, cut it back a little, cut it back a little. And I, I mean, I would start with cutting back the long acting. I mean, I feel like that went from 60 units to 25, 30 units pretty quickly. Like that had to have been like the first three or four months. And as I started eating less, I could tell that my insulin resistance was getting better because- in a meal that I would normally take 45 units of insulin, I only needed 20. So it was kind of incredible. And I guess like, I'm blessed that we were able to buy a treadmill. So I was able to like, I'm just going to take a little less insulin. And if my sugars are too high, I'm going to go walk it off. You know, like it's almost, I almost feel safe for having them be a little too high than a little too low. The lows kind of scare me. Um, so yeah, like, and then again, and, in order to make it sustainable for me, so I cut out snacks, I replaced breakfast with a shake, I got rid of breakfast altogether. That's when I started like, okay, I'm just going to start lowering my carbs and my meals to see how my body reacts to that. And like, as I explain this to people, like, so my mom, my mom's A1C was a 13. I got her down to a six in six months by following a couple little steps. And one of the steps was, Like, okay, I like white wonder bread or whatever it is. If white wonder bread is not available, I am not going to eat any other bread. That is the one bread that I'm going to allow myself. I like this Italian Brooklyn penne. I am only going to eat that noodle. And if that noodle is not available, I am not going to eat any other noodle. And you know, you have to do it, at least for me anyway, systematically like that, because then you just stop craving them. I mean, I haven't had a noodle in probably eight or nine months. And I really couldn't care less about noodles. You know, I make them for my family. I made some from, you know, another family member, whatever. But it once you start eliminating the carbs, you really do stop craving them. And once if someone had told me that a year ago, I would have called them crazy. But you really just don't want them. It's kind of weird, but you just kind of don't. Like when your body starts shifting back over. So the last... I would say maybe three or four months is when I've been like seriously trying to go low carb. Um, and at this point now I take zero insulin with meals and Really? yeah. Zero insulin. So are
0: you, so you're basically now you're just on your long acting and that's it. And I take 17 to 18 units of that depending. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So are you, do you know how many carbs approximately
1: you eat per meal? They, um, do you have a certain range. I know, again, it's pretty intuitive. There's a group on Facebook called Reversing Type 2 Diabetes, and they have what they call their green list, and that's like the foods that you're allowed to basically eat, I don't want to say without counting carbs, but that are pretty easy to eat without counting carbs. And I really do try to stick to that list. I don't always, but I would say like last night we had taco salads, and I had avocado in there. I had peppers in there. I had tomatoes in there. So, I mean, it might've been 15 or 20 carbs and I took zero insulin and I had zero glucose response.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, that, that, that works. I mean, sometimes, and I think I saw a Facebook post of yours where you were saying, you know, you've gone low carb, but you're noticing some higher blood sugars. I know sometimes like a protein rise may hit you later. Are you still having that or is that pretty much worked itself out too?
1: I really don't think it's protein with me. So today I ate lunch and I was a little nervous because my sugar was at 120 and I had a spinach salad with um, a little bit of bacon and chicken, some cheese. What was on there? Avocados and tomatoes. And I was like, oh man, like I really hope this doesn't spike me, but it actually dropped my sugar. So I often see people say, if you eat a little protein, it'll help. I've never tested that until today. And today it seemed to kind of work for me. I personally think that because my body itself has stored so much glucose because I was pumping in so much insulin that I need to dump it. And when I read Dr. Fung, I read it in obesity code, or it might've been diabetes code, but then I saw him do a YouTube video on it. And he basically said that as long as your blood glucose doesn't go over 180, and, and it's not food related, right? As long as your gl- glucose isn't going up because, because of food, he's like, it's already in your body and your body's actually dumping it back into your bloodstream. Like your liver is trying to get rid of it now that you're trying to heal your body. So, I mean, from a person whose A1C has been in the fives, you know, I get to like 150 and I start to like, oh, I don't like the way this feels, you know, not physically, but mentally. So I do allow myself to go to 180, which I did pretty often. In my first, like, 18, 6, 24 hours, and I don't so much now, um, but again, I could not eat anything after, say, lunch, but at midnight, all of a sudden, I'm at 140, and before, that would have completely freaked me out, like, well, wait a minute, I haven't eaten anything in 12 hours, like, what's going on, but I mean, if I understand it correctly, when Dr. Fung says, like, your body is just dumping stuff that you've stored in your healing, I I mean, I kind of take it at that. And if it doesn't, you know, hit, if it hits like 165, 170, I hop on the treadmill or I take a walk or I walk the dog or something because it just makes me mentally uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And I really think like one of the things that like, I always tell people on those Facebook pages is that like, it took your body so long to get here. And unfortunately, it's going to take some time to heal. And I think that our bodies are strong. I think that we heal faster than it took us to get here. But I mean, if I really had symptoms of this at 11 or 12 years old, I've basically been diabetic for 30 years. So for me to expect my body to be like, boom, you're all better. It's all good. Just because I've fasted for a year. Like, I feel like that's incredibly unrealistic. And like, we have to show our bodies a little bit of grace in this process, even though it can be scary.
0: Yeah. I agree with that completely. And it's hard to maintain perfect blood sugars just no matter what. Are you wearing a a continuous glucose monitor or are you
1: doing, um, I am. Yeah. I'm super blessed in that. And I, when my husband said, was it something you're going to talk about? I'm like, this is something that I wanted to talk about. So, um, maybe six or seven months ago, I asked my doctor, I said, I think it would be a really great tool for me to understand like what my body is actually doing. I mean, and I was testing like 10 times a day, pricking my finger because I was that interested. Like I wanted to know like what was going on. And he said, okay. He's like, you know, I'll write you the script and we'll talk to the companies and see what's going to happen. And I called and called and called. And every single time I did, someone slammed the door. And I just like, I'm kind of like a dog with a bone. Like when I set my mind on something, I just kind of like have to make it happen. So I literally would call my insurance company. I would call the pharmacist. I would call back to my doctor. Like, what can we do in order to make this happen? Just to even get like part of it covered, really. Like they were saying that I didn't even qualify. And I was like, that doesn't make sense to me. I've been a diabetic for decades. Like this, this machine could save my life or help me better my life. And I don't understand. So I called and called and called. One day I called the same number I had called probably a dozen times. And I said, this is my story. I just really need help. And I really want this. And she said, Oh, you qualify for this program through your, your husband's health insurance. And I was like, wait a minute. Like I've talked to this department 12 other times. What makes this time different? You know? And she's like, well, I don't know. Maybe they just didn't know this program existed. And I, I was, Appreciative and infuriated, like all at the same time, to know that like other people can get this. Like some people will just call once and be like, "Well, they said no, and like it's just not possible," you know. And they really are. There are programs out there. So it's a diabetic program. My husband is Medical Mutual. It's a diabetes a diabetic well being program that they are covering my Dexcom for a year for free. I pay nothing. Nothing. Nice. I'm just. It's like incredible to me to think that things like that out there exist and I know so many people who could benefit from it and it's not they're not like hey we have this free program come get this thing that could save your life you know so I am incredibly blessed the program is this round so it goes yearly ends in July and I'm praying 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 that in July I can
0: renew um well hopefully you put in all the work hopefully the next time around you can just get it without too
1: much fanfare. well you know what the the irony is I think that I have to be as diabetic as I was when I started and I'm not. And so I don't know. Cause she, the last time I talked to her, she's like, well, are you still taking this much insulin? Are you still doing this many shots every day? Are you still like, you know, consuming this many carbs? And I was kind of like, maybe cause you know, I don't want to shoot myself in the foot, but at the same time, like I don't want to get rid of the Dexcom. You know?
0: That's one of the ironies of diabetes. Like you have to show that you're in poor control in order to get all of these things. And it's like, come on, I'm trying to do something for myself. I'm trying to prevent further things from happening. I'm trying to save you guys money in the future. Please work with me.
1: The whole system is so broken. And so it's so disheartening. I, I remember part of this journey of wanting to come off insulin when I was having all those bad drug interactions a couple of years ago, it was the turn of the year and the pharmacist called and they said, Hey, you know, January 5th or whatever, we have your insulin, it's going to be like uh, $2,500. And you know, can you afford that? And I'm like, can I afford to live? Like, that's such a crazy question, right? And I was like, well, yeah, I like don't have much of a choice. And he said, well, if you call the manufacturer, sometimes they will give you a coupon. And I thought, well, you know, it can't hurt, whatever. So I called the manufacturer And she said to me, oh, are you part of this program? We do have a coupon, but in order to apply for the coupon or, you know, be accepted for the coupon, you have to give us some information. And I was like, okay, what's the information? Now, in my head, I thought it fell under HIPAA and they already had the information. So there wasn't really anything they were going to ask me that, like, I didn't think the pharmacy and the doctors had already, like, somehow told them. And she's like, okay. And she like took my age and my weight and my height, you know, basic, basic doctor things. And she said, okay, well, you apply for the coupon. We really appreciate you sharing your information with us. So your insulin is now a hundred dollars every two months. And I went, wait a minute, you just exchanged information that I thought you already had that, I mean, I pretty much, if you would have asked me the questions, I would have told you for $2,400 or $2,000 oh my gosh, $2,450. And she said, well, yeah. And I'm like, the the pharmacist called and said, I have this medication that's going to save your life that you could have given to me for $50. And you did not. And like, I've, I've grown up around a lot of like impoverished people and a lot of people who like don't have access to those things. And it literally broke my heart. And that was one of the the catalysts to, I'm going to get off as much medication as I possibly can and better my life. Because I can't imagine living like that anymore. I can't imagine being a part of that system that is so broken, like, anymore. It It really changed me. It really changed me.
0: Yeah, I know diabetes can be extremely expensive. I mean, you hear all these stories of people that they're deciding between their rent and their insulin. I mean, it's it's a terrible, terrible story that you, that you hear fairly yeah. often, yeah. and uh, it's it really does need to change because it's a choice that none of us should have to make. Yeah. And you know, even with like with your Dexcom, you probably if you could afford it, maybe even come out of pocket for it. But like that's it's prohibitively expensive for most of us to to do that. Yet you're trying to to take care
1: of your health, like you should be able to do that. The bill I get for the Dexcom, like they still bill me, although the insurance company pays the bill, right? In full, the bill, the Dexcom is $110 a day. A day, $110, that is like so unfathomable for me. $110 a day. And like, I I understand that type two diabetes is a lifestyle disease. And I understand that like to a certain extent, like the things that I put in my body led to this. But for someone who's like a type one, who like, you know, legit like needs something like that to live. Like I cannot imagine $110 a day to live. And that doesn't include your medication. Like that to me, I just, is so unbelievably broken to me. Yes,
0: it is. Hopefully changes happen in the future. Although, you know, like you said, it's broken. It takes a lot of parties to come together in order to fix it. And it just, nobody's coordinated. So who knows what's going to happen, but I'm glad in your case, it's, it's one of those things too, all of us with diabetes know, you know, you have to keep making those calls. You can never just accept the first no. It's, yep. you know, appeals, prior authorizations, just constantly making all those calls. It's like a, it's a secondary job. I can't remember where I, I heard this, but I think they said diabetics spend an extra like 10 to 15 hours. I can't remember if it was a month or every six months working on their diabetes stuff. Like it's it's true, absolutely. like it takes time. It absolutely yeah. is like a part-time job for sure. Yeah. So. Let me just pivot back if I can to, so you went to low carb, you're almost off, you're off your short acting, you're on a much lower level of your long acting and
1: you've been losing weight. You started at 236. Where are you at now? Um, So this is hysterical from, so let's say I started March. I started fasting last March. So March, 2021 to July, 2021, I lost 50 pounds which was like incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I felt really good. Like I said, I came off of the blood pressure medication, which I realized I didn't necessarily need to be on in the first place. And unfortunately, July, late July, 2021, my mother very mysteriously passed away. I'm I sorry. stopped fasting. I, I even like through the funeral and all the things I was like, I cannot give up on this goal just because I'm going through some stuff. So I, you know, knuckled down and I stayed with it. I have not lost a single pound since July, 2021, but I have lost seven inches off my waist. I have dropped two pant sizes. I have seen skin stuff clear up. The last time I was at my best friend's house, she's like, your skin. I was like, I know, I know. My skin is amazing Is Awful as this might sound, I have skin tags that are falling off, which skin tags are like a huge sign of type 2 diabetes. And they're just literally like disappearing, which is freaking fantastic. So, I mean, that all goes back to your body healing. I know there are so many people who start fasting in the first month or two months or three months. They're like, I'm not losing any weight. Like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And I like preach over and over, I'm like, your body will prioritize what needs healed. You might want to lose weight. I mean, we all want to lose weight to a certain extent, right? But your body is doing so many like behind the scenes things that you cannot quit. Like you absolutely cannot quit if, if you're committed, especially for health reasons. Like as you're fasting, as you're allowing your body to heal by not consuming anything, it's like doing all these other things. Just so many amazing things can happen if you allow it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I love,
0: I love those non-scale victories that you're talking about. It sounds like you've had quite a bit of body recomposition if you're not losing the weight, but you're going down sizes. That's, that's incredible. Yeah,
1: it is really incredible. So in terms of future health goals, what, what are those for you? So I'm kind of at like the precipice right now of coming off my insulin, which I mean, from 200 units a day, being an insulin dependent diabetic um, is pretty incredible. Again, I think the thing that holds me back is that I work alone with kids and like, oh, like what's going to happen? You know, I'm like a little bit scared. Um, but I hope to be off insulin by the end of summer is really my goal, my short-term goal. I'd love to continue losing weight. I mean, I if I could lose another 30 pounds, that would just be incredible. I remember the day that I was no longer obese and like I cried all day because I mean, it's such a huge thing. I'm smaller now than I was when I was like 12 or 13 years old, which I never thought would ever happen. Like I, you know, you just like I just as a diabetic, that's just the way you live, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And you know, it's incredible. So I, I half joke that when my son, who's 11, is in high school, we're going to run track together. So if we want to talk long term goals, I'd love to run track with my kid. But there's a couple things I need to do uh, before that happens. Definitely getting off the insulin completely, and you know, continuing to fast. I don't think I'll ever give up on the fasting.
0: Yeah, I I like it too. I think it's definitely something that I'll maintain forever, which is not something I've felt about any other lifestyle that I've tried.
1: Exactly. And
0: So your doctor, does he feel pretty confident that you, you can get off insulin completely at some point?
1: Oh, I just love him so much. So my last appointment with him was like maybe a month ago. And I asked him, I said, so do you think I need to, you know, schedule an appointment with my endocrinologist, you know, to increase my insulin and stuff again. And he was like, Well, he's like, if you do that, he's like, that's living in the past. And that's living in your diabetes. He's like, if you don't do that, he's like, I will gladly guide you through the rest of it. And we can get you off the insulin. So, I mean, he's just like incredibly empowering and he absolutely 110% thinks that I will be off insulin probably sooner than I think I'll be off of insulin, which is, yeah, it's so incredible. It's really, truly, I feel like once you find the right doctor so much of that like helplessness and fear and like stigma that like you absorb from the environment around you that you like hold in yourself you know what i mean it just disappears it's so empowering to have someone who believes that you can do it guide you through actually making that belief a reality you know it's just it's been an incredible journey i the last appointment i had he goes can I just take like 1% like credit for like all your hard work? And I said, you could take like 50% because if he never picked that book off of his table, I would still be on 200 units of insulin trying to lose weight and going, what am I doing wrong? Like, what is happening? Why is this not working? You know? And I, I mean, I really, I mean, I put in the hard work, but I would never have known it existed without him. I'm super grateful.
0: Yeah. You sort of hit on the magic combination, which is a good doctor to get you going in the right direction, you know, doing the intermittent fasting, lowering your carbs. You just did all the things right. And now you're really reaping the benefits and the rewards of all that. So that's, that's incredible what you've done. And I'm I'm sure you will get off the insulin. I mean, if it, you, it's been only a year and you're almost, you're down to like a, you know, a 10th of what you had that you were on before. Right. So it's just that final little piece to get you over the edge.
1: Yep. Yeah, so I'm, oh, like I like live in gratitude every day because I really never thought. I mean, like I said, my great grandfather died at ninety-seven, giving himself insulin shots every day. My great grand, my grandfather, I watched him lose his legs, a toe at a time, inch by inch, to his knees. Both his knees gone. You know, like my mom wasn't really taking good care of herself, and I'm like, I am so grateful that my children will never see that. Like that is not the life that they will have. And I live in gratitude every day for the things that I've learned through my doctor, through Dr. Fung, um, through certain Facebook groups that have been incredibly helpful and beneficial. Like, I I just truly live in gratitude because I never thought I would be here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I know you're trying to spread the word, which is really important. Uh, And I'm sure, so the, the members of your family that are type two, are any of them starting to kind
1: of switch over to what you're doing? Uh unfortunately they're a little older and set in their ways. Um my mom did, you know, before she, you know, passed away or whatever. She really was like, I was like, mom, I'm like, just don't have the snack after dinner. She's like, well, it was just a bite. I'm like, yeah, but you can't just do it just a bite, you know? And it was just like it took some time with her, but she really did genuinely like start to understand and get there. And I mean, the food that she ate in her window definitely left like a lot to be desired. Um but in order for her, I mean, to just do like the bare minimum of fasting, she did bring her A1C from a 13 to a six, or maybe it was a 12, 12 or 13 to a six in just six months. And really just with intermittent fasting, not even with diet yes. changes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, she wouldn't have even called it intermittent fasting. She would have just been like, I'm not snacking, you know, <laughs> like this is what it would have been. But I mean, if something so small as that could literally drop her A1C in half, she called me, and it was probably, 10 days before she passed. And she said, Oh my gosh, my doctor's so proud of me. My A1C is a 6.4. It hasn't been a 6.4 in forever. She said, he doesn't even need a diabetic checkup for like the next whatever, three months, because I'm doing so well. Like, and that was just a tiny step in the right direction. Like if you just take a tiny step in a way that is sustainable for you, you really can change your whole world. And if you're like me, once you get a taste of that, then you're, you want to push it and then you want to push it and you just want a little bit more and a little bit more. And I mean, eventually you're off 200 units of insulin. Like,
0: yeah. Good health is really, you know, it feeds on itself and it's addictive cause you, it you just, and you feel so much better. It's just, you don't, you really don't ever want to go back to the old way. So yeah. before we come up on time, I just wanted to, you've had such a, a great and interesting story. And I think a lot of people are going to resonate with everything that you've been through, both the struggles and the successes. How, if if you were talking to a new faster, well, that has, you know, either pre-diabetes type two, type one, whatever the case may be, what, what would you
1: tell them? I really think it's incredible that when someone starts doing better by their life, like as a country, we have, be, we have come so far from doing what is healthy that like something like intermittent fasting is called a diet, right? I'm not dieting. I'm just like eating the way that we're supposed to be eating. So I think like part of the first part is getting over the stigma of like what it is. Cause like I said, he showed me the book and I was like, Oh man, this guy wants me to not eat. Like he's out of his mind. Right. Like, come on, come on. But once you, once you start, like, again, like you said, it's like addictive, but you have to help yourself relieve the stigma of whatever it is. Like get out of your head about it because fasting is entirely a mental game. Like, I see so many times like, oh, I've been fasting for two weeks and I'm starving. And I like, I hope I don't sound like a brat when I comment on these things, but I'm like, no, you're not starving. Like you're legit, not starving. Your body's burning fat. Like if you tell yourself, if you can make that mindset shift, you really are halfway there. You know, you're, you're not hungry. Your body is burning fat, which is exactly for most people, why they start the fasting, right? Because they want to lose the weight. They want to burn the fat. So I think like understanding that fasting is less of a appetite situation. It's a mental game. The whole thing is a mental game. And then once you can buy into that and, or give yourself the grace enough to take the leap forward, you need to do those incremental steps that work for you. You have to like eliminate the snacks. You have to eliminate breakfast or I literally, I mean, again, I'm a year into this. I just found out last week, that my body actually does better if I do my one meal a day at lunch instead of dinner. My sugars are better the next day. Like things kind of, I just kind of feel better, you know? So you have to be willing to try and be open-minded in that try. If something doesn't, doesn't work, it's like, oh man, I started calorie counting and it's not working, I give up. You know, like that's, you have to allow yourself to succeed. And I think a lot of people- don't do that. I think we get in our heads and we think it's impossible. And by thinking it's impossible, we manifest that it's impossible. And then it just doesn't happen, you know? And I'm not saying fasting will work for everyone. Maybe calorie counting does work for someone else or, you know, whatever, all the beach body or whatever it is you want to try, you know? But you have to understand that it's a hundred percent a mindset thing and you have to allow yourself to succeed. And you have to allow yourself to fail because that's how you figure out what's working and what doesn't work. So I would say definitely like have a shift in your mentality. A great way to do that is joining like Facebook support groups. I you know people that are like-minded people that are going to like be supportive and help you through and let you post those crazy non-scale victories, like skin tags falling off. Do you know what I mean? Like celebrate together. Um, I will give that with a disclaimer in that there is a lot of misinformation out there so please be careful. And my fallback is always Dr. Jason Fong, whether it's one of his books or a YouTube video. Um, Ken Berry, Dr. Ken Berry is awesome. Dr. Eric Berg is fantastic. Um, health coach Kate, I love her. Um, so always seek the professionals. And, you know, always, if you are on insulin or some kind of medication, you really should be talking with a doctor because you could get into scary situations. Um, but know that there's support out there, and be stronger than the hunger, really, because it's not really hunger; it's like a mental game for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's spot on. The mental aspect is probably the biggest challenge when you're when you're starting out. So I agree with that completely, and I also like the fact that you're referring to doctors, um, you know, when you're when you're thinking through some of these issues that you might be facing, and not just trying to figure it out yourself. So that makes a lot of sense, and uh, I really appreciate your time, and I. I really, I really like your story and I'm so impressed with everything that you've been able to do in a really very short period of time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really proud of this body. <laughs> this body is like, it hasn't failed me yet and it's not going to fail me now. And we're just going to keep pushing through and, you know, bigger and better onward and upward. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure. I truly Seek to help people who, like me, didn't really even know that this was an option, I, I just absolutely, the thought of helping even one person just makes my heart so happy. So I really appreciate you asking me to join me.
0: Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much Have a great day.